0: Church exists to shine as light in our homes, in our community, and in our world. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. Well, it's good to to be together today, and uh, we're going to have a chance to um, look into God's Word and find some perspective together today um, to prepare us for this exciting event that God has laid before Wildwood, and that is moving into our new Children's Ministry building, uh, which we're about seven days away from right now. Um, but before we, uh, before we do that, let me, uh, let me pray for us. Father, I just thank you so much for uh, just your, your goodness. Father, this morning we, we sang these incredible songs of praise uh, to you, and the recurring theme is what a wonderful, great God that You are. Father, we are thankful that uh, being the great God that You are, that You still are mindful of us, that You created us and shaped us from the foundation of the world and even as we were formed in our mother's wombs so that we might live in relationship with You. Father, You saved us through the work of Your Son You drew us to Yourself through the work of Your Spirit, and Father, as we gather here today, we believe that You are here. And so, we come today with great expectation, and pray that You would guide us into Your truth. Father, I pray that we would see You this morning through the passages we're going to look at. And Father, I pray that You would protect me from saying anything You wouldn't want said, but if I do say something that You wouldn't want said, Father, I pray it would just quickly be forgotten. But any words that I share today that are are yours, that you would want us to hear, I pray that we would remember them, we would believe them, we would walk forward in them in faith in the power of your Spirit. We might be changed more into the image of your Son. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to throw out a little hypothetical situation to you today. I want you to imagine that some point during this week, you go to your favorite grocery store. I don't know if you're a Homeland person, maybe Target, possibly Walmart. You go to your store, and as you pull into the parking lot, you look over, and my car is right next to yours. And let's just say that you wanted to go inside whatever grocery store we're at, and you wanted to say hello to me. Where could you find me? Well, statistically, I think the data would say that you would best find me on the cereal aisle. You know, I think that probably 85 out of every 100 units of time I've spent in a grocery store in my life have been spent on the cereal aisle. Uh, This started when I was a kid. My mom would, would go into the store, she'd just kind of park me there, and I would just look, you know, hours and hours, all these great colors and boxes and I'd have this task. I'd pick out the cereal, you know, and, and uh, that, that's, that's what we would do. It started when I was a kid. It continues to this day. If I go to the grocery store and cereal's on the list, you can just knock out 30 minutes right there because I'm going to be checking it all out. And the reason why is there's so many great options when it comes to cereal. And, you know, really what you choose is going to depend largely on what kind of a mood you're in. Um, you know, I, sometimes you might look up and, you know, you're feeling kind of like a grown-up. You're reaching up on that top shelf, you know, behind several other boxes of oats or something, and you're pulling down the grape nuts, Uh, and and you're thinking, you know what, this is, I'm an adult. This is a healthy option. Um, You know, this thing weighs like 10 pounds, by the way, you know, Um, get an exercise just lifting this. It takes you a week to digest it, but there it is, Um, half a week to eat it, but there it is, the grape nuts. Maybe you're feeling like a grown-up, you grab the, the box of grape nuts, but let's say, that you're feeling kind of grown up, but you want something that tastes a little better. So what do you do? You've done this, right? You look around at the boxes. You try to find the one that has the frosting, but no cartoon character on the box. Um, You're pulling down the mini-wheats. Strawberry, it's got frosting on the backside. but, uh, but there it is, you know, it, it says right there at the top, it's an excellent source of fiber. That makes you feel good, putting it in the cart. Um, but let's say that uh, you're at the store and you look around and there's no one you know in the store. And let's say, just hypothetically, that your wife and son are out of town for the weekend. Uh, which cereal are you pulling down now? Um... How about Cookie Crisp? Um, You know, you got all these choices when you're in the cereal aisle at the store. And uh, you got to decide, and you have to have a rationale to decide which one uh, that you want. Now, now, it's funny, just looking at them all sitting here, um, our marketing is totally backwards, right? Which one of these three cereals needs a PR campaign? It's not cookie crisp, okay? Um, If I just mention to my son, it's got cookie in the title for crying out loud. I do not need to sell this to him. Um, Grape nuts need the dog. The dog needs to be on the grape nuts in order to sell those. The grape nuts need the the marketing campaign. But, you know, there's all these choices, and depending on how you're feeling and depending on what your reasons are, you're picking one of them down. It takes me a long time to pick a cereal for these various reasons. I've got all these competing agendas and all this kind of stuff. You know, the funny thing is, if I were to go to my pantry at my house, and I was going to pull off a a box of cereal to, to eat it, it's a much simpler process, right? The selection's already been made. You know, regardless of what I'm showing you here, it's Cheerios. That's what we've got. You know, you walk in, you pull the box of Cheerios, and you eat it. Um, maybe you're feeling crazy, a little Special K, but whatever it is, I mean, there, there's this choice is already made. And you, you eat those when the choice is already made for you, you know, day after day, week after week, um, month after month. But when you're in the store and you get to choose, suddenly it becomes much more difficult because you have options. And you know, when you think about the experience of buying cereal, which is something, the reason why you all are, are chuckling is at least somebody out there Uh, has experienced my dilemma in the cereal aisle. Um, And, you know, one one of the things that I I want you to do is just think for a moment, what was the last cereal that you purchased at the store? Just just think for a minute. Some of you, it was a day ago, others a week. Think, what was the last cereal you purchased, okay? Now, on the count of three, we're all going to say it together, all right? One, two, three, four very nice. Somebody was big on the Frosted Flakes early. That was good. Um, you, ha- you had a-, a rationale for the cereal that you purchased. There was a reason you bought what you bought. Because out of all the options in the store, you picked that one. At home, you have one option. You pull it off and you eat it. But at the store, you have all these options. And that- that's kind of the way life is, isn't it? You know, There are things in life that are just on our shelf, and so we use them. And it's not until we go into a store with all these options that we have to think through how do we make a decision about this kind of thing. Uh, you know, as a church, we've gone through a little bit of this. Uh, you know, for years and years, since 1985, Wildwood has existed in this building. Um, and it's, it's been a wonderful gift that God has given us. I mean, this is a great place, the old Redlands Racket Club, remodeled into Wildwood Community Church been a wonderful place for us to be. And for all of these years, we had a number of rooms downstairs directly below us, which were designated for children's ministry. For all these years, we have used them. They were the box on the shelf that we have used for children's ministry. And God has blessed it, and it has been exciting. I mean, some of you in this room can remember the place in this building, the room in this building, where you first came to know the Lord. Praise God for that. But as the ministry has grown, we came to understand about five years ago that we were, as a leadership team, that we were going to need to expand our facilities. Specifically, we were going to need to expand our children's ministry space. As God was blessing and the ministry was growing, we needed to plan ahead. About three years ago, we began talking about that as a body, and we began working on uh, this project of building this 20,000 square feet of children's ministry space that, God willing, we're going to be moving into next Sunday. But but as we have prepared that, one of the things that I found is, for all those years that we used the box that was on the shelf, suddenly when it came time for us to build our own building, there were hundreds of options for us to choose from. Suddenly every choice in that building was something that we had to decide upon: Uh, the colors, the decoration, the layout, the size of the rooms, all that stuff were, were suddenly options that were on the table, and and where we for years and years had just taken the box off every Sunday morning and and poured it out, suddenly we had to make a decision about what kind of a building we were going to build. And really what my desire for us this morning is, is just to have kind of an in-house meeting. You know, some of you have been here and you've been a part of this process since we began talking about it three years ago in our Pass It On campaign. Uh, others of you, this is maybe your first or second Sunday, or you, you're just, you're like, what in the world are they talking about, and I can't believe I came here today. Just bear with us. Um, this has been an exciting process for us as a church. We're seeing God at work, and I think we'll see some application from the Scripture we're going to look at in broader areas of life. But really, the desire for today is for all of us to get up to speed on how we chose to build the building that we built, to give you some ideas uh, from from, you know, sitting in on leadership meetings, how we, how we got where we got. You know, when you see this space um, in seven days, when you're able to go over there and walk around, one of the things that will happen is you, you could come up with a number of reasons why we built what we built. And you might think, wow, this incredible facility, we must have been trying to keep up with the Joneses down the street, you know. Uh, we were trying to, to keep up with in some kind of an arms race with other churches and children's facilities. Um, you know, or you might, you might look at it and say, wow, they just, they just wanted to do something cool. But the reality is, as we looked at all the boxes on the shelf, there were some guiding principles from Scripture that were guiding us. And, and, and our desire in walking through it today is so that everyone here understands what we believe to be why God has led us to build the building we've built. And so we're going to look at it today and look at a couple of different passages of Scripture and see two things that were guiding us. As we built the facility we have. Uh, the, and, and really, there, there are two things that will help us understand a little more about ministry in general. The first thing we're gonna see is this ministry is contextual. Ministry is contextual. And we see this by looking at uh, a number of things in Scripture. We could zero in on a number of different passages that would help show us how ministry is contextual. But the one we're gonna look at specifically comes from the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 9, verses 19 to 23. So if you've got a Bible, open to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians was a letter written by the Apostle Paul to believers in Christ who lived in this city called Corinth, which is in modern-day Greece. And the letter that Paul writes was to encourage them on a number of things related to ministry in the church. And one of the things that Paul wanted them to know and was preserved for us in Scripture so that you and I could hear this today is that ministry is contextual. Well, what do we mean by that? Well, let's look at the verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning in verse 19. It says, For though I am free from all, Paul says, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. Now, the principle that we see behind what Paul wrote to the Corinthians is that ministry is contextual. Uh, what, What Paul was saying was, as he traveled around the world, the Mediterranean Sea area of the Roman Empire, sharing the love of Christ with all he came into contact with, He would alter the style of his presentation depending upon who he was interacting with. There were things that changed as Paul talked to this person and as he talked to this person. Uh, One of the specific examples he gives is as it, it mattered on him whether he was talking to somebody who was from a Jewish background or somebody who was not from a Jewish background. What are some of the things that Paul would change as he was talking to somebody from a Jewish background? One of the things that he changed had to do with following Jewish customs. Uh, the book of Acts chapter 16 and verse 3 gives us an indication of one of the kinds of things that Paul would do to be accommodating, to be contextual, depending on who he was talking to, specifically when he was talking to the Jews. Uh, Acts chapter 16 verse 3 says this, it says, Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and he circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Now, in other places in Scripture, Paul argued vehemently that circumcision was not a requirement for one to place their faith in Christ. But here, Paul circumcises Timothy. Did he do it because Timothy needed to be circumcised to be right with God? No. He did it because for the sake of ministry to Jewish people, it would be easier to remove the stumbling block of circumcision. Paul's like, this is not adding anything to our eternal role, but for ministry's sake, we're going to go through with this custom and have Timothy circumcised so that we might gain an audience with the Jews a little better. Uh, Paul did other things similar to that. You know, when Paul would gather with Jewish people, he would leave the bacon off of his burger. But when he would gather with non-Jewish people, he might eat some ham. Um, Why did he do that? He did that because he didn't want the food he ingested into his mouth to be a stumbling block to prevent people from hearing the message of Christ. He was contextualizing his ministry. There were things that changed depending on who he was talking to. But but just as there were things that changed, there were also things that remained the same. There were things in Paul's ministry that remained the same. Look at what he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, back in that, in that passage. He says, I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I might share with them in its blessings. Paul says, there are things that change depending on who I'm talking to, Jew, Gentile, you know, people that live in, in Africa, people that live in, in, uh, in Rome. Paul was adapting what he was doing in style-wise, depending on who he was talking to, but there were things that were always the same. Paul says the thing that was the same for him was the gospel. The gospel was always there. It was always true. It was always central to everything that he was doing. He was doing it all for the sake of the gospel. The gospel is this message that Jesus Christ died on the cross, the Son of God dying on the cross, sinless, to take the penalty that your and my sins deserved. So That if we believe in Him, that we would have the opportunity Have a relationship with God, not on the basis of what we've done, but on the basis of what He's done in Christ. That message never changed, but there were other things that were always changing in in Paul's ministry, depending upon who he was talking to. The gospel didn't change, but the stuff around it did. And and you know, this is something that was not just true of Paul. This is something that's true of us. Uh, there are things at Wildwood in our ministry that are definitely contextualized. You know, one of the things that is a contextual decision that we've made regarding ministry is the time that our worship services start. You know, we have services that start at 9.30 and 10.50. I know some of you think that it's always been 9.40 and 11, because that's just when you get here, but the reality is 9.30 and 10.50, those are the times that our services start. Um, and, and, you know, why did we pick those times? We picked those times because we were flipping through the Bible in Isaiah 35 and go, there it is. We start at 9.30 and 10.50. No, that was a decision that we have made as a leadership team based on the context of going to church in Norman, Oklahoma. We could say that church starts at 4.45 a.m. on Sundays. I think you all are free. But contextually, we said that's a bad decision. Uh, We're going to place it at a later, at a later time. Um, You know, uh, contextualizing things in ministry is something also that happens when when you look at uh, mission work overseas. You know, people move into another culture. They try to contextualize the gospel. They do things like learn the language and dress a certain way. A number of years ago. we were involved, uh, while a number of you in this room were, went with us over to Marseille, France, and were involved in ministry to North Africans there. And while we were there, there were a number of things that we did. As we approached people, we would, we would speak to them in French or in Arabic uh, or in Frerabic. Um, they'd kind of blend together. But we, we would speak to them in another language. Why? We were contextualizing the message to the language that they spoke. We didn't anticipate that they spoke our language. We were trying to speak theirs. Uh, When we went out to to minister on the streets, we would try to dress in ways that would be appropriate. Um, For the men, that meant that even though it was 90 degrees and incredibly humid, we would wear khaki pants and, and, uh, you know, shirts. The women would have to either wear long pants or long skirts and shirts that went past the elbow. Why did we do that? Did we do that because Uh, we had to before the Lord? No, we did that because we were trying to contextualize the message. We didn't want how we dressed to get in the way of communicating the truth, and we wanted to speak in a language that made sense to those that we were trying to reach for Christ. When you take those principles of contextualization and then overlay them with a construction process, at Wildwood we were wanting to build a building for the purpose of children's ministry. So knowing this principle of contextualizing ministry, we then, as we looked at all of the options, we were, were asking this question: How do we build a building that will communicate in an effective way to kids? How do we do that? How do we speak their language when we build this building? Well, as we had those meetings and had those conversations, one of the things that we came to was, if we're going to build a building that will speak the language of children, it needs to be fun. You know, those of you who have kids, they like things that are fun, don't they? Uh, imagine when you take your, your child to the to pediatrician or something like that, uh, the, the, the waiting area at the pediatrician's office is fun. There are elements of fun, whether it's an aquarium or whether it's, it's fun wallpaper or toys are on the floor. It's, it's designed to create an environment that speaks the language of the child, one of the ways which kids communicate is, is in the language of fun. And so as we built this building and we tried to contextualize it for kids, who wanted to include things in the building that were, that were fun. That's why when you, we raise this wall and you're able to go in and, and see uh, the building, you're going to see things like a 19-foot tall dimensional sign that says Wildwood Church with a big working clock on it. And you're going to see uh, a, a check-in station that looks like a, a gas station and another one that looks like a tiki hut at a beach, and you're, you're going to see a, a trailer that has been hollowed out and turned into two couches and seating areas, and you're going to see a, a play area eventually that looks like uh, a New York City, uh, you know, sca- uh, cityscape of buildings and bridges and different things. I mean, why are, we, why are we doing all of those things? We're going to that effort because we, we want to communicate in the language of kids. We want to create a fun environment for them. Another thing that we, we do when we think about contextualizing this building for children is we wanted it to be colorful. You know, kids like color. You know, when we, we get older, I don't know if our, our eyes begin to die or, or whatever it is, but we start, everything's brown. You know, like brown walls. We got walls that are four shades of brown. That's just what we do as adults. But as kids, we love color, right? My son is four. His favorite pair of socks are bright red. No matter what he's wearing, it's red socks. Red socks clean, we're putting them on. Red socks. I don't have any idea why we have white socks, because if, if they're clean, they're just sitting in the bottom of the drawer. Uh, he, he loves the red socks. You know, imagine a kid, you, ne- next time you're around a child, maybe your kid's somebody else's, you know, open a box of crayons. What, which ones do they gravitate towards? Normally, they don't pick the white crayon and just color on white paper. Oftentimes, they won't just p- pick four shades of, of brown and khaki and just color in a corner in this nice little Starbucks pattern. Um. We're going to pick color. So by trying to contextualize the building for kids, you'll see things like the colors of tantalizing teal and sunburst yellow-orange and, and uh, bluebell ceilings and, and all this stuff. Uh, why do we do all of that? We did that because we're trying to communicate in a language that makes kids, um, your community speaks in their language. But, but as we contextualize these things, it's also extremely important for us, and we're very mindful of this, that though some things change, there are some things that must never change. There are things that are contextualized, and there are things that are true in this place and that place and everywhere we go. And there are things that were, are true in our children's ministry today that will be true of our children's ministry tomorrow and, Lord willing, forever. And one of those things is that, that will never change is, is our method. You know, at the very beginning of this process, when we began talking about Pass It On, uh, one of the, the, the central tenets of that was that we wanted to highlight that, that we have a responsibility to pass on the truth of Christ to the next generation. And that happens from person to person, generation to generation. And, and, and with every piece of AV that's going in that building and every uh, room that is decorated and all the fun stuff and all the color, you know, all that is nothing if we don't have a person communicating truth to another person. Our children's ministry is designed around that. Right now, downstairs and behind this wall in different places, there are, you know, 230, 250 kids that somebody is sitting across a table or a room from them telling them the good news of Christ. That is awesome. Many of you just came upstairs from doing that in the first hour. Praise God. That was true before, and that is true now. That is something that will not change. The method isn't changing. People telling people about Christ. One thing that will never change. The second thing that will never change is the message. The message will never change. You know, as a church, we don't have, you know, 2,500 messages, we don't have a new message every week. You know what? We have one message. Now, we look at it from different angles, and we talk about it. But as a, as a church, we have one message, and that is the message of Jesus Christ. You know what? There, in, in 2,000 years since the death and the resurrection of Christ, there has not been another way found for people to be made right with God. You know what? If Christ tarry, you know, tarries in his return in, in 2,000 more years ago, we're not going to find another way in the next 2,000, because God says there is one way, and that's through Christ. We have one message. That's the message that Wildwood has shared since the church was founded in the 1960s. That's the message that's being shared in this room and downstairs right now. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. That is never going to change. Um you know, I, I get I get nervous in the Christian community sometimes when people say, Hey, I found this hot new thing. You know, it's like, well, maybe it's an interesting way of looking at something or whatever, but you know, it's Chances are, if it if it's hadn't been around for the 2,000-year history of the church, probably don't need it. The reality is we have one message to share, and that message will not change. Another thing that won't change is, is the power. The power source will not change. You know, ministry in any capacity... Uh, was, was so aptly described to me by a friend as raising the dead. And what he means by that is that for us to, to do the things that God has called us to do, which is to share the love of Christ with others and have people's hearts change, it, that, that, is, that is the equivalent of the dead being raised, because all of us on our own want to go our own independent ways. It's only the work of God and His Spirit within our lives that causes us to turn and to follow Him. And so in order for anything good to happen, it's going to be as a result of the work of God. And after all of the planning and all of the giving and all of the um, everything that has gone into this building, if God doesn't show up, we've just got a big piece of real estate. And knowing that, and knowing that are the power source for any life change found found in, in what God will do, we as a church want to be praying and asking Him to work in a mighty way Uh, through uh, the ministry here. And one of the ways that we want to do that as a church as we prepare to move into this this building is we've organized a prayer chain, a 36-hour prayer chain uh, that's going to run from this Friday night at 9 p.m. until Sunday morning at 9 a.m. And you can sign up in 30-minute blocks uh, we're trying to get people to sign up in 30-minute in, in, in blocks to, to pray for God to work through this building, through the ministry of Wildwood, to, to reach our community. Um, if, if you are interested, I, I'd like to challenge everybody here to consider signing up for a slot on this prayer chain. Um, you can do that by going to Wildwood's website. and At the bottom of the front page, there's a link that says sign up for the prayer chain. Click that and go there and you'll see the openings and you can sign up. You don't have to come here to pray. You can pray right where you live. Uh, you can get together with a friend and do it. We've got a couple of openings for every slot. Uh, later this week, we're going to post on that same webpage some prayer requests and things that you can consider during that time. But just encourage you to, to join us in praying because we don't want just another piece of real estate. Norman doesn't need it. What we need is for God to work. And join us in praying to that to that end. Uh, there are some things that definitely change to contextualize the ministry to kids, but there are things that will never change. Um, but ministry is contextual. And you know, this is true when it comes to our building. It's it's true in regards to the places that where you are, where you want to see God work. You want to see God work in your neighborhood, in your home, in your office, your workplace, your school, whatever, you want to see God work where in, in some area, one of the, the things you can do is, is ask yourself, you know, what cannot change as I seek to share Christ in this setting? The, the message, the method, the, the power, what, what cannot change? Then at the same time, ask yourself this, what must change in order for me to communicate this truth? Are there some things that we should think about in terms of strategy and direction and, and whatever, you know, what, what, for whatever ministry, for whatever setting? You want to see God work. It's, it's true in the context of our construction, but it's also true in the context of the places that God has all of us. Because ministry is contextual. Well, the second thing that I want us to see, though, is not just that ministry is contextual, I want us to see that ministry is creative. Ministry is creative. And a, a great anchor for this principle uh, is found in the very first chapter of the first book of the Bible, in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. In Genesis 1, God is, is seen as the Creator. He, he goes through a six-day process of creating everything that there is. And at the end of that six-day process, He creates humanity. He creates male and female. Um, and this is what He says about them, beginning in verse 26, it says, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Uh, what, What you see there is that there is something unique about humanity. Every other thing that God creates in the first five days of creation is created in the likeness of something else. But when it comes time to create humanity, male and female, God creates them in His own image. You and I and all the people on this planet are image bearers of the God of the universe. He has stamped within our soul His, His very own image. And that means a number of things. It means that we have this immaterial part. We have, a, we have a soul that will outlive our bodies, that when our bodies die and decay, that our souls will live on. Uh, means, it means that. Uh, but it also means that there are some things within us that are also like God, because we are created in His image. Uh, Genesis 1 showed that God is a creative God. And because God is a creative God, and because we are created in His image, it should not surprise us that humanity is very creative, also. Now think about it. In every culture, in every place around the world, there is creativity that flows. You know, whether it's 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 visual arts like sculpting or painting, or or written things like books and poetry and short stories, or or uh, things that combine visual and written like television shows and movies and dramas, and architecture, and I mean, you name it. There are so many things that are created, music, that are creative expressions of humanity. Why are we so creative? Humans are so creative because God is a creative God. The reason why our hearts rejoice when we see things that have been created is because it resonates within us because the person that created it has the image of God in them and as we look at it, it resonates within us because we have the image of God in us it's how we're designed. We love creative things. And and what that that indicates to me is that when we go to do something, we don't have to do it as bland as we can do it. We can have some fun and demonstrate creativity because when we walk into a place that has been creatively thought through, there's something about it that's appealing to us because it's how God has designed us to be. And if we have the opportunity of all the boxes on the shelf to, to pick one out to build, we wanted it to be something that was creative. Um, you know, in uh, seminary, I, I had a man named Howard Hendricks. is uh, as, as one of my favorite professors. And, and one of the things that, that that prof would say is he'd say, it is a sin to bore people with the Word of God. It's a sin to bore people with the Word of God. And what he, what he meant by that was we have the best message in the world to share, the most exciting thing. God has, has unfolded it in 66 books, in all these chapters and verses of all of this history. We have the most exciting message to share. Why in the world will we take the most exciting message to share and not do anything exciting with it? We have the opportunity to be creative as we share it. Because this is a creative book. Again, to contextualize it, not to change it. The truth doesn't change, but we have the freedom to communicate it in an exciting, fun way. And so as a a leadership team, as we thought through this, we, we thought through how do we creatively, contextually construct a space for kids? So we had a, a team of people that got together for a few weeks and we prayed and we had conversations about how exactly this would work. And we brought in some, some guys who are professionals in this area from, who live in Oklahoma City who are brothers in Christ and they helped work alongside us and are still working alongside us to develop this um, about how do we creatively you know, create this environment for kids to hear the good news of Christ. And so, as, as we as we talked through that, we we had several things that we were kind of guiding principles for us, things that we concluded as a result of our conversations. And one of the things that we concluded was we didn't want any part of our decor uh, to kind of penetrate deep into the classrooms. Um, the reason for that is our method is for people to tell people the story of Christ. So when you Get through the hallways and into the rooms where you're sitting down with the teacher, and the kids are with them. We wanted there to not be 7,500 distractions on the walls. Uh, we wanted, you know, the rooms to be colorful and fun, but 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 we wanted there to be an environment inside the classroom, be a place where uh, the kids could learn. Uh, another thing that we we wanted to do was we didn't really want to tie down any room or any region of the building to one particular Bible story. Uh, we didn't want to have like the David and Goliath Hall and the and the Noah's Ark Hall and the um you know the, the the Jesus and the empty tomb hall and I mean not not that those things are bad or there's any problem with that, but as we talked through it, we were like, we wanted to create an environment where regardless of which story in the scriptures you were talking about, it would make sense in that space. That it could change in ebb and flow with all of the creativity of God's Word on every individual week. And uh, so as we thought through this, we said, okay, if we wanted it to be you know, something that would be uh, you know, not just tied to one story, how do we decide how to organize it? Well, one of the things we said was we wanted it to have four parts, because there are four main hallways in this building. Um, and so we wanted to theme those hallways around something that would allow them to be distinct, uh, for wayfinding purposes, so people could find their way around. Uh, but there would be a, a, a story that would unite them all. So we think about these four hallways in the building. We decided to organize them around geographic regions, kind of environments. And so we have one hall that is a beach, and another hall that is a mountain, and another hall that is a forest, and another hall that is a desert. And that will allow us to do things like if somebody shows up with their kids and they say, we have a preschooler, we say, take them to the desert. Somebody shows up, they say, we have a fourth-grader, say, so go to the mountains. Um, it allows us to be able to, to navigate the building in that way. Uh, but, but on top of that, we wanted to have a story that tied it all together, and, and the story that we came back to was the story of a road trip, and you take these roads to go through all of these regions, these geographical regions, and, and the story of a road trip seemed to work and fit for us really well. Um, because there's a lot of parallels in a road trip story uh, with, with the Christian life. You, know, you think about a road trip, whether you're going to uh, Orlando to go to Disney World, you're going to Disneyland in California, you're going to Yosemite National Park, you're going wherever you're going. Those are these great destinations on a road trip. And if you go and you leave in the, in the family truckster and you're driving there, um, you're going to have the opportunity to not just have this great destination, but also to have some fun along the way. You could stop and see the world's largest ball of twine. You could see the house that's made of mud. You could do all of that as a family. You could eat at 1,700 denny's between here and there. All of those things are things that you could do where you get to enjoy the trip. And the reality is, in the Christian life, uh, we have the best destination that we're headed towards. We're headed towards an eternity with God in heaven. Ultimately, it's a new heaven and a new earth that He has invited us to be with Him in. That is an incredible destination. But God leaves us on this planet so that we can journey from here to there with Him in all of these adventures that He takes us through along the way. We didn't want to just sell our kids fire insurance and say, there's a great eternity out there, wait for it. I want to say there's a great eternity out there. We're headed to this great destination, but we get to walk with God all along the way. We thought that the road trip would kind of tie it a little bit together. So when you go out there uh, this coming week and you see uh, this this building with mountains and deserts and and clocks and and environments and and ground that looks like asphalt and all this kind of stuff that you see over there, um, the hope is that we've We've shown you kind of contextually and creatively how we got where we got. You know, I I wanted to, to end by just saying this. You know, God does not need a PR person. God doesn't need a marketing plan. He just doesn't. He's God. But what we have tried to do with this building is to take the cookie crisp dog, and put it on the grape nuts box. We wanted to create a space that was appealing to children, but was a place where not only was it appealing to them, but it was a place where they got the most nutritious spiritual meal they've ever had, because they're hearing about the goodness of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We get to be on this adventure together. We're really excited for everybody to 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 see it with us. Um, This Friday night, we're having an event that we're calling "Praise Pizza and Preview." And uh, what's going to happen is about six o'clock. This is for the whole family. We're going to have pizza and water out in the gathering hall, and after a little while, we're going to come in here, and our worship team is going to lead us through an extended time of praise and worship. And then after we do that, then we're going to, you know, say a few words and kind of have a commissioning, and we're going to raise the wall, and you can just walk around and explore the new space um, in, in the children's building this, this Friday night. And God willing, we will be occupying the remainder of our rooms. We've already got one hall that we've moved into. We're, we're, God willing, we'll be in the rest of it next Sunday. Um, and so we wanted to have an event to kind of mark that on Friday night. We'd love to have you join us back here. So let me, uh, let me pray for us as we, as we close. Father, thank you for today, and thank you for your word and this time to be together. Father, thank you that you choose to involve us in your work. And thank you that you just give us uh, so many um, wonderful blessings in life, uh, Father, but not so that we could hoard them, so that we could share them with others. And Father, we pray as a church that you would uh, be at work in the lives of children in this place, drawing them deeper with you and journeying with you in this life. We thank you and we pray these things in Jesus' name.